All right, go ahead and be seated. Now, real quick, you already heard a little bit about the, um, the harvest party. If you missed the harvest party, you missed out. Uh, it was pretty sweet, um, uh, not just because of the opportunity to share and preach the gospel to young people, uh, but what I love is to watch everybody in action. Uh, it was insane watching not just while people were here and engaging with people, running their little booths and, and, and the, all the passport things, <clears throat> but when it was time to clean up, it was business. And we, were, we started the harvest party at five, right? And what time did we initiate cleanup? 7.30. And uh, we were basically done by 8.45. And then, of course, people like to hang out and talk. And so I got home about 9.30. But, I mean, from five to nine, I mean, goodness. But yeah, all the decorations, all the preparation, organization. Um, there's some impressive <laughs> people in this church. So... I uh, love you guys. Just so proud of all that you guys do. So thank you. Yeah. And, and there was chili dogs. And chili dogs aren't steak, but it's pretty darn close. So, yeah. All right. This morning, uh, we're going to take a break from Matthew so I can present a possible option to you for a, a discipleship hour here at the church, which if we adopt we would want to start at the beginning of February. And I think all of you guys have been uh, kind of prepared that we're going to be coming to you with this because we're trying to um, you know, create some what we believe are valuable ministries within the church and uh, regard to parenting uh, and other things. It's not just, this isn't just a family discipleship church. Uh, and I think we have a reputation of being a homeschool church. Uh, there's a lot of homeschool families here, but we're not a homeschool church, okay? Um, we do welcome people that have kids in public school and even private school. But uh, actually, I think we welcome all people to come and hear the word. Amen. Um, so if you're spreading that rumor that we're a homeschool church, please, please stop. Okay. Um, you're probably not. It's probably some uninformed person out there in the church community. We have been accused of worse things, by the way. I've, I've had some doozies. So, uh, we've been accused of being a cult, uh, which I, it's kind of fun. But, you know, there's actually a definition of what a cult is. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not even close. Uh, we would be considered classical evangelical as a church body, so theologically. So, uh, what I want to put out, first of all, is we're not imposing this schedule this particular thing upon the church. We're presenting it to you, and we're looking for input, especially from those that are serving and that would be serving in these various capacities. Uh, we want to serve our church family the best that we can in terms of discipleship, because that, that is the primary duty of the church, is it not? You know, go into all the world, make disciples, and baptizing them, and and teaching them to obey all things that Jesus taught the apostles, right? And so we, that's the cycle that we go through. And of course, discipleship is a large umbrella. It, it includes a ton of things. Um, and we'll talk about some of those today. But we want to be the best discipleship church that we can be for the glory of God. And the problem is when we look through the New Testament, uh, the New Testament, you know, Jesus and, or Paul or Peter, they didn't say, okay, step one, 
uh, organize your, your Sunday service like this, and step two, uh, this is not there. And I th- I'm glad it's not there because uh, the church in the world that we live in has to function differently in different places. I mean, if you're an underground church in Iran, uh, you, you, know, you don't sit as comfortably as you do here, right? Uh, you just can't have all that we enjoy here. So the church is this amazing body that can adjust to wherever it's at, right? It better, or the church is in big trouble. And, uh, but it can do that. So I'm gonna try to, we're gonna try to do the best we can. Currently, what we do is we provide children's ministry during the two services from zero to seven years old, which we're gonna continue to do. But if we adopt this other schedule, there would be a discipleship hour between the two services. Okay, there would be classes up to age 13, plus a family discipleship class and an apologetics class. So we would be serving all ages, uh, which would be helpful for our, our, our primary, our largest visions. And one of those, of course, is family discipleship. Uh, and then there's uh, Christian education in general. And then there's outreach and evangelism, which is a part of uh, apologetics. Apologetics uh, not being in the English uh, an, an apology, uh, but in the Greek, apologia is to make an, a, a good defense uh, for something. And so we are commanded to contend earnestly for the faith, to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. That is apologetics, uh, to be um, an, a, a thinking Christian who can give good answers. Um, now, before I, I say pitch this to you, but I'm, I'm not a salesman. As I, as I said, I don't want to like, hype you guys up for something, because I really hate that. Um, I don't like motivational speakers, because it's like wildfire. It burns hot for a minute. It's gone. Uh, what I want you guys to do is to you know, take all this in, consider it, ask questions about it, give your input, pray about it, and see uh, how you could fit, how you could serve in one of these capacities. But before I present that to you, I wanted to provide some backstory and remind or review our vision and philosophy of ministry with you. Uh, now, I do see a lot of new people. Uh, some of you have uh, not been here long enough to kind of uh, get a feel for what our philosophy of ministry is. So this morning is not our norm, by the way. Uh, I, our, our greatest conviction here at Calvary Chapel is to teach the word in an ex- expositional manner, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And currently we're in, in Matthew chapter 9, uh, which we'll pick up on again next week. But I got to prepare our church body for what we may do in the future. Um, our philosophy of ministry, our vision and all that comes out of Acts 2 and Ephesians 4. And it's, it's pretty simple. So you might not even see it uh, as I'm going through it here, but please pay attention. Um, so first thing I want to do, though, is review as to how we got here. Uh, back in July, I made this particular statement, and I'm probably still recovering from injuries from it. I said that when I think about Sunday school, I would like to either provide the best Sunday school program the world has ever seen, or... You guys remember, I'd like to provide the worst Sunday school program the world has ever seen or ever heard of. It's no secret why someone would want to provide the best program, but it's not readily clear why they would want to provide the worst. So let me say it again. 
I would want to provide the worst Sunday school program in the world in order to break an unbiblical habit that has formed over many generations in the church and in our fathers. The habit of the church has been to assume the role of the father by discipling his children in the faith. The habit of the fathers has been to surrender their responsibility to the church by having the church disciple their children for them. Biblically, this is wrong-headed and even sinful. Now, it's not sinful for the church to supplement and complement what believing fathers are already doing in their home on a regular basis. And it's not sinful for a father to allow the church to supplement what he's already doing at home. In fact, I believe that a wise and humble father will do that. But it is sinful for the church to assume the role as the primary discipler of a believing father's children. And it's sinful for fathers to surrender this responsibility to the church. Churches should be encouraging biblical fatherhood and fathers should be taking the responsibility to disciple their own children. That is biblical fatherhood. That's, that's just what it is to be a Christian father. <clears throat> I forgot to put my slides up. Can I get those up? Is that all right? <clears throat> I'd like to include you guys. In fact, you're going to have to have the slides on the end or, or you won't know what in the world I'm talking about. So, all right. So this whole issue <clears throat> of biblical fatherhood, simply put, Ephesians 6, 4 says, you fathers, now where those periods are, it doesn't say uh, the church and whoever else. Uh, he just, there's something else in there. It says, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring your children up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Who's the responsibility fall on? The fathers. Yeah, the disciple of children is on the fathers. It's not on the church, not, not primarily. But in regard to the church itself, the church itself, the elders and I have our own marching orders as shepherds, which leads to our vision and our philosophy of ministry. <clears throat> now, as soon as the church, uh, and I don't mean Calvary Chapel Centralia, but as soon as the church, uh, capital C, was brought forth in Acts chapter 2, we're, we're told this, and they, the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, I want you to notice how quickly this happened. On the day of Pentecost, Peter, for the first time, preaches his first sermon. How many people get saved? About 3,000. That's probably just talking about the men. So we can assume that there's a lot more, okay? So suddenly you have instant church, but you have instant megachurch, instant megachurch. <clears throat> and they didn't waste any time getting organized according to Christ's simple design. Now, I hear it all the time, well, I don't believe in organized religion. I just believe in you know, this or that. And, and I go, well, that's not Christian because Jesus actually organized the church to some degree. Now, I think some people have organized it way beyond uh, anything that Christ meant, uh, but Jesus certainly organized it. <clears throat> the church immediately, as the text says, submitted themselves to the doctrine or teaching of the apostles, continuing steadfastly in it, along with maintaining Christian fellowship, breaking bread with one another in their, uh, what the early church called their agape feasts, and then praying together. But foremost uh, among all these things is the apostles' doctrine. That is absolutely foundational. You know, what the church believes 
and how God's people ought to conduct themselves, that is all contained within the apostles' doctrine, their teaching. I have water, thanks. The cold water actually makes it worse. I I think it's actually my nerves. You guys make me nervous. Thank you. I had to eat that Snickers, make it better. Yeah, like even Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, he says, I have I've written these things to you. I've given you all this instruction so that you might know how to conduct yourself in the household of God. Okay, it's the apostles' doctrine. Now, the apostles did not invent the doctrine. Okay? This was the doctrine that was passed down to them from Jesus, who commanded them, as we already said, to go into all the world and make disciples, commanding those disciples to obey all things that he commanded the apostles. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Even back in John uh, chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus promised the apostles that when the Holy Spirit came, he would remind them of all things that he had taught them. Now that refers to their three and a half years that they spent listening and observing him teach basically the new covenant. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit reminding them of all that Jesus had taught is recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Jesus also promised the boys, the boys, the apostles, not not the boys, Different, different spelling, that the Holy Spirit would lead them into all truth, that is, truth that he had not yet revealed to them, okay? Now, the fruit of this latter truth being revealed to them is found in the rest of the New Testament, in Acts through Revelation. I know that people say, well, that was, you know, that's for everybody, uh, that he would lead all believers in all truth. Uh, I have serious problems with that interpretation, by the way. If he led all of us in all truth, why are there differences? Why are there denominations? Why are there whatever? But when he led the apostles in all truth, we have exact perfect harmony in all of the things that they wrote, okay? It was, it was one primary author, and it was a few secondary authors, or we might say instrumental authors. The Holy Spirit uh, inspired all of their writing, so there's perfect consistency, harmony, and everything else. But from one seat to another in this room, there is not perfect harmony, okay? Um, I've done enough marital counseling to know that. Amen? Okay, now if you have questions about how I've addressed that text, we can talk about it later. Um, and, and I'm going to be very convincing, trust me. Okay? <laughs> the apostles, these were the, the instrument that Christ used to record the New Testament for us and to establish and organize his church on the earth, which they did. But when they died, did they leave the church high and dry? No. To ensure that the church would continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 says that Christ has given others, uh, like pastors and teachers, in order to equip God's people for ministry, whatever that ministry might be. Okay? Guys, parenting is a ministry. How many of you guys have discovered that? How many of you discovered that parenting is the hardest thing you've ever done? I only saw one hand. <clears throat> Please give me some representation. <laughs> oh my goodness. You, you have parents who are sinners by nature and by conduct and different personalities and then you raise a bunch of little sinners in your house 
in the same space and you're training them to become something for the glory of God with all of this resistance in yourself. <laughs> you were thinking of your kids, weren't you? <laughs> Parenting is a ministry, just as pastoring is a ministry. Teaching the scriptures, biblical counseling, outreach and evangelism, serving the poor and the elderly or what have you. It's all ministry. But it's this particular branch of the church that was given the responsibility primarily by the teaching of God's word and through the various gifts of the spirit to equip God's people for his service. So Acts 2, Ephesians 4. Acts 2 is the organization. It's pretty simple. Acts 4 is the execution. That's how he's simply designed all of it. Yeah. Now, among other things, um, that's the marching orders given to pastors, elders. If you want the rundown of my full job description, which I encourage you to hold me accountable to, by the way, is First and Second Timothy, Titus, and First Peter chapter five, verse one through four. Um, that's my bread and butter. That's what I'm accountable to as a pastor. And, um, but in particular, among other things, here at Calvary Chapel, our vision, our desire is to equip parents to disciple their children that we might effectively bring up the next generation for the glory of Christ. So encouraging, equipping fathers. Now, we know that we do not live in an ideal world, uh, but we live in a world that's been ravished by sin and heartache and tragedy. So it's not just about equipping fathers, but single mothers, grandparents, aunts and uncles who are raising kids that are not immediately their own. Okay. Encouraging, equipping them is a responsibility of the church, and we want to do that well here. Now, if you look out at our culture, which, by the way, are we trying to reach our culture? <laughs> We're commissioned to. But when you look out there, I mean, you see enough brokenness here in our own lives, in the lives of people. But when you look out there, you see brokenness on a whole nother level. Now, as we bring those people in through the preaching of the gospel and discipleship, they're bringing in generational habits when it comes to their own conduct, when it comes to raising their kids, the way they talk to their kids, the, the, the way that they operate in their home. We have an obligation to address that, to teach the scriptures to them and help them in practical ways be, as Ephesians 4 says, conformed to the image of Christ, right? We have that obligation. We can't just let um, family be in a free fall. Could you imagine? Well, you don't have to. You can just go down to Walmart, okay? You can get all of your anthropological studies down there on family life, and it's, it's, it's tragic. We have an obligation. Now, as we've thought and prayed about the best way to do this, uh, we've come up with three services, <clears throat> not just like this. We would have our two regular services, but with a discipleship hour in the middle. Now, we believe that this would satisfy God's desire for our families to worship together and then sit under the teaching of his word. But it'll also give us the opportunity to fulfill our responsibility to equip God's people for ministry. <clears throat> Excuse me, in terms of, of Christian education, uh, apologetics, and <clears throat> mind you, the, uh, the apologetics class can morph into uh, many other things like Christian essentials, uh, biblical doctrine, and things like that. And then sounds really sad. And of course, family discipleship. <clears throat> now, as far as 
you know, Christian education is concerned, everything we do here is Christian ed, right? Please say yes. I mean, we don't do like new age stuff. We don't do yoga and, and the rest. Um, it's all Christian ed. But this would be uh, specifically customized for our young people. And this is where I would like to provide the best Sunday school program the world has ever seen. But I don't want to call it Sunday school because I don't want people to think that we're just doing Sunday school. Because I don't like Sunday school, as you guys know. <clears throat> and by best, I mean how the Bible would define best, which is not to be confused with entertainment. I fully intend to indoctrinate our children with biblical truth. I know and the word indoctrinate sounds so bad. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, we want to fully instruct them uh, in the Christian faith, the biblical doctrines, their stories, uh, all of that. Uh, these little people should be learning their Bibles. They should be worshiping. Now, in terms of apologetics, uh, this class is about defending and contending earnestly for the faith in a winsome and persuasive manner. Uh, this class would go for ages 14 and, and up. 14 and up. Now, uh, some of the 14-year-olds are thinking, I have to sit in with the adults. Yes, it's time. Okay, we don't look to our culture and say, when does a young man, when does a young woman grow up? Because right now they're saying that that really, kids are starting to adult at age 30. It's not okay. It's not okay. okay. At around age 12 through 14, our young people should be learning how to defend the faith from attacks so they can engage in intelligent conversation with unbelievers. I believe that with all my heart. I mean, how old was the prophet Daniel when he was taken captive to Babylon? Some scholars say as, as young as 12, and he was the man of the hour. Okay. David, when he slayed Goliath, some scholars say he was as young as 14. He was the man of the hour. God can raise up and use young people. We want that. Okay? Around these ages, they should be transitioning from basic Christian education to learning the greater doctrines of the faith and how to communicate and defend them. They can. They can. If you ask them to tell you about uh, the latest uh, superhero show, they can quote it. They, and, and they have their favorites. They they know all that stuff. They, they can do that with the word of God. And then, of course, family discipleship is about studying the word for all that God has instructed parents and then learning practical ways to implement his word in, in our homes. This discipleship hour would give us the opportunity to encourage and equip parents in one class to train others in apologetics in another while providing an hour of Christian education for our children. Again, the discipleship hour for children is not to supplant. I want this to be very clear. It's not to supplant, but to supplement what parents should already be doing at home throughout the week with their children. Okay, believing parents who are not discipling their kids at home need to repent. They need to follow God's instruction. And for those who are unsure of how to do that, and for those who want to be encouraged in it, guess what? We would have a class for that. And we would have all of these experienced parents coming in and just sharing what God has shown them throughout the years, successes, failures, pitfalls, all of that. Now, I believe that this particular format of three services is the most practical way to meet the current needs of our church while satisfying our biblical mandate to equip the saints for ministry, okay? It better matches what we see in Acts 2 and Ephesians 4. Now, practical, because 
people are already here. Now, we have people that are driving a long ways to get to church. I'm looking at some of you. Many people drive over 45 minutes to get here. Okay? You would already be here. Uh, parents won't have to come back to church during the week to, to get instruction for, for family discipleship. They won't have to make arrangements for someone to watch their smaller children while they come here for that encouragement and instruction. Um, our gas price is up. If you drive diesel, you better brace yourself. I'm about to park mine. But driving back and forth, gas, and, um, and this is something that has struck me as I, I study um, the history of the church in America, is that you know the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, <clears throat> the first day of the week, the day that Christ rose from the dead. Historically in America, this day was filled with stuff for the Lord's Day. How many of you older people, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Those of you advanced in years, um, biblically speaking, uh, and this, by the way, includes myself, because I grew up going to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, and then Wednesday night. I know we do Thursday night here just because we hate tradition here. We like to break it up, rebels. But because the church saw that the Lord's Day was the opportunity to fill it with the things of God, for all things discipleship, for things of worship, Christian education, I think that this would really make the best of the Lord's Day. Okay. And I know I'm, I'm striving for as much time with my family as I can get as well. Yeah. Now, as we've discussed this particular option, one of our biggest concerns has been how it will impact some of those who are already serving in the church. If, if we go this direction, it will require a greater time commitment for some, and that's why we'd want to hear from those people, especially those who serve in our worship ministry on security. Excuse me. This isn't even bubbly water. It's nerves. Our greeters, hospitality, um, these kinds of people. We, we need your input through all of this. And we'd like to hear from everyone by the end of November, by the end of November, so that if we decide on this schedule, uh, all the teams will then have ample time uh, to add to the numbers if, if we begin at the beginning of February. I'm about to get into that, yeah. Yeah, so let me show you uh, the schedule, what it would look like, and the number of people that would, uh, it would need to do this well. Now, mind you, Pastor Roger has spent many hours uh, uh, in sweat and blood and tears putting these slides together and trying to figure all this stuff out. And then what you're going to have to deal with is me interpreting them to you. Okay, now I'm a Bible expositor. I'm not a slide expositor. So I'm going I'm to do as best I can. All right. Okay, so blue, red, green. Uh, for this schedule, okay, first service would either begin at 8 and end at 9.30, or it would begin at 8.30 and end at 10. Now, we've done 8.30 services here before, mind you. I know all the homeschool families are like, good, they start at 11. <laughs> During first service, we would continue to provide a ministry to our parents by having the younger children ages zero to seven in, in what we've called Calvary Kids. That's during a service like this one, okay? And then for the discipleship hour, uh, depending on the time we choose for first service, we would either begin at 9.45 and go till 10.45, or we would begin at 10.15 and end at 11.45. 
And it would be during this discipleship hour that we would provide classes for, as we've said, family discipleship, apologetics, and classes for kids uh, 0 to 13. Then, of course, second service would be from 11 to 12.30, and the second service people will go, okay, because that's second service already. Unless first service begins at 8.30, in which case second service would begin at 11.30 and then end at 1. And you know what I think when I think about this whole schedule is when do I eat? So if I go to first service, uh, okay, I can eat breakfast. I would. My kids wouldn't be up in time. Uh, And then have lunch after the discipleship hour. But if I'm a second service person, I can chill for a little bit, eat a late lunch, and then I can eat after 1 o'clock or uh, 12.30, however the times go. So if you're like me, uh, I mean, since about age 12, all I can think about is food. And in fact, growing up in church, that's all I can remember is sitting in service being hungry and thinking, when is this dude going to stop talking? (laughs) I'm perishing. (laughs) So you'll have to organize that yourself. Uh, For those that serve in ministry, uh, we're going to have to step it up a little bit in the kitchen with the food that we offer. So I think, you know, Roger is a pretty good cook. So we could probably do like breakfast sandwiches. Right, Roger? No, I better not. (laughs) It would be pretty sweet though. Yeah. And then just like first service, we would have Calvary kids uh, at the second service for ages zero to seven. So there is is, uh, the tentative schedules. What about workers? In the blue and green section, which represents the Calvary kids ministry during first and second services, you have the classes broken down according to the kids' ages. Now, just because we offer these services for ages zero to seven does not mean that we require your children to be in those classes during service, okay? It's entirely optional. Now, I have some people come from out of town that have come from other Calvary chapels where they don't allow the kids in the service, okay? I think it's a major error in Calvary chapels, and I'll tell any Calvary chapel pastor I run into, okay? And then I have other people who are totally against sending their kids to Sunday school, well, guess what? <laughs> you, can do either, you can do both if you want, or you can do one or the other. It's up to you. Okay, we're actually delighted to have your kids here in service, especially if those children have been trained to sit still and be quiet. Okay, if anyone's child is struggling to be quiet during service, uh, we just ask that you make your way out to the foyer. Uh, the service is streamed out there. You can, you can look at my ugly face in here and out there, okay, and, uh, and, and hear the teaching of the word. And also, if you happen to be in the middle of training your kids to sit still and be quiet in the service, uh, but you're not quite satisfied with your progress, don't feel bad if you need to send them to class so you can concentrate on the teaching of the word. Sunday morning here is not the place really to train your kids to sit still and be quiet. Now, I think John talked about that at the men's, the father's meeting. During the week, you can come down here and do that. Uh, but it's not the best time here when we're trying to concentrate on the word. Understand? You can take them out in the foyer and do that, uh, but probably here is not the best, best place. Okay? And also, if you're wondering how in the world some of the other parents in this room have gotten their small children to sit through service without too much disruption, and you would like to train your kids to do the same, uh, which won't just benefit you as a parent here, but it'll relieve your stress in many other contexts. 
Uh, but you can talk to John Wiley, Jeremy Corwin, Ben Hansen. I didn't even ask if I could say anything. Uh, BJ, uh, they would all love to show you uh, their secrets. All right? So you can talk to them. If you don't know who they are, come to me. And I'll point them all out to you. Okay? And they didn't volunteer, but this is the way the church family works. <laughs> Back to the slides. Uh, remember, the times on this, the, the screen are tentative. We're not imposing this on our fellowship, okay? In the middle section, uh, then, is the breakdown for the discipleship hour classes. Um, zero to 13 during that service for the younger ones. Youth 14 and up will have to attend the apologetics class, which I highly encourage you to do that, okay? Uh, otherwise, they'll have to sit in with you in the parenting class, and uh, they'll learn all of your tactics that you're going to employ in the home. Yeah. yeah. If we had the space, we would actually offer uh, more classes, potentially. But uh, because of you guys, we don't have any more space. All right. Now, in, in order to make this schedule work, we would obviously need more people to serve. Okay, for the Calvary Kids Ministry, during first and second service, we'll need 24 volunteers for each service. Among those 24 volunteers, we'll need 16 adults and eight kids. Six of the adults would need to be teachers. Okay, with, those, with these numbers, a teacher would only teach during first or second service, but not both. Okay, what we want is for everybody to be able to be in here for the main services. Discipleship hour... Uh, we'll need 36 volunteers consisting of 24 adults, 12 kids, and of the 24 adults, 14 will need to be teachers. In all, for all three services, that's over 80 volunteers, okay? But because people get sick, and here at Calvary Chapel, people have babies, if you know, as you noticed. Uh, people go on vacation, uh, family emergencies. Uh, some people could just simply use a break. We would need a number of substitutes who are willing to step in and help out, which means that we would need about 100 people, okay, total, to make this work well. Now, that sounds like a lot, and I guess 100 people is a lot of people, uh, but it's not even a quarter of our fellowship uh, between the two services. So I don't think it's actually that much. And besides, um, aren't all of God's people supposed to be serving? So I don't think 100 people is too much of a sacrifice. And it's easy for me to say because I'm going to be here anyway for all of this stuff. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, the blue slide shows the number of total substitutes we would need for all three services. Okay, of the 15 to 20 substitutes, 10 would need to be adults. All right. Now, uh, we keep saying so many adults. We do want our young people um, who you know, go through a process to be able to work in these classes because we want our young people learning how to serve. We want our young people uh, learning how to lead, to teach, and do all of these things. We want to incorporate them as much as we can responsibly in this whole process. Okay. The white rec rectangular box that overlaps the red and the green slides show uh, on the left the total number of volunteers needed. On the right is our deficit. We still need 42 regular volunteers, 22 adults, 20 kids, and 10 of the adults would need to be teachers. This is, this is what we still need for volunteers to make this work well. Understand that these volunteers, if they choose, will be on a rotating schedule of two weeks on and two weeks off. 
two weeks on, two weeks off. Also, we know that some people, uh, they're super hardcore, and they want to teach all year. Okay, we don't want to get in your way. If that's something that you want to do, we want to accommodate you as much as we can. But for everyone else, the commitment would be two weeks on, two weeks off. Okay, that doesn't sound, I think, too burdensome. Too burdensome. Okay, now, now, I, now I do feel like I'm pitching something. Goodness sakes. If God is leading you, and this doesn't have to be today, because I want discussion. I want you guys to pray. I want you to look at your year. Um, I want you to consider this, okay? But if God is leading you to serve in one of these areas, uh, you're going to have to register. Okay, now everybody that, that serves in our church has to have a background check, um, especially if you work with our kids, okay? Uh, that saves us uh, if there's a problem, and uh, it keeps problem people out lest we become a problem for them, okay? And uh, so you have to be registered. Now, those people who are already serving and have been registered, okay, you don't need to do so again. Uh, the registry's for those who are interested but have not yet done it. Now, the nice thing is, uh, you know, because you know Roger always wants to do everything digital and, and, and all of that, um, but I, I don't like anything digital. <laughs> so we have three different ways that you can uh, do this. You can go online to cccentralia.com slash form. That's a slash, right? Okay. And you, or you can scan the QR code right now on the screen with your phone, or you can go out to the connect area in the foyer, and we have one on a thing there. Um, now, I don't know how to do a QR form thing, so somebody's doing it right now. So uh, if you know how to do it, great. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, and if websites you hate, like I do, there's a paper form out there, and we have a pen for you. You don't have to tap anything, okay? Yeah, that's right. Also, uh, to serve at Calvary, we need an opportunity to get to know you, and you need the opportunity to get to know us. And so if anybody serves here, we require that you, you be here for six months. Okay, that gives you time to go, wait a second, I think these people really are a cult. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Uh, or you just think, you know, this isn't, this, I don't fit here, this isn't really my family. Or... You love it here, you stay for six months, and you feel God's call, it's time for me to serve. I just can't sit on my duff and be a consumer. Because actually, in the Bible, consumers don't exist, by the way. Yeah. So uh, the, the connect counter is you go out of the auditorium, you hang a right, and it's up against the wall, and we'll have smiling people there to assist you in whatever you need. Um, but if you're like me, it's paper and pen. Okay, super, super easy. Okay, so with that said, let's let the discussion begin. Please ask your questions, provide your input. Um, I don't like, I don't even appreciate criticism, but if you see holes in it or you can see how there's improvement in it, point those out and help us provide solutions for that so that we can get this rolling uh, to know if we can even make it happen, okay? Okay, we're a little, I'm getting you out a little early. Uh, yeah. Okay, it's Calvary Chapel Centralia. CCC, no, it's Calvary, so use those C's properly. It's calvarychapelcentralia.com slash form, or you can just go get the paper and pen. Okay. 
What's that? No, we have curriculum for the teachers, okay? And a few weeks ago, I helped out in the four and five-year-olds, and, uh, and all I did was enjoy the kids. So, uh, and just make sure that the, the class is, is staying decent and in order, which is an interesting concept with boys at four and five. But it was quite fun. I enjoyed it, and I don't typically... That's not my thing, but I, I had a lot of fun. So, so helpers, teachers, we have curriculum for you so that you don't have to spend all week uh, you know, preparing all of this stuff for yourself. We have curriculum for you, which requires uh, some of my teachers, the curriculum that we have, how much time commitment does that generally require uh, to deliver that on a Sunday morning to children? Two hours? Okay. Wow, <laughs> I want a curriculum. <laughs> Sweet. Okay, so I'll be available. Roger will be available. Uh, ask your questions, please. Uh, don't be just reluctant to not speak, but come talk to us, all right? Because you might go, oh, that's not so bad. I could do that. And you might think, that's way too much. I can't do that right now. So why don't you stand up? We'll pray. Uh, you're out a little early. Make sure that the, the, uh, the Calvary Kids stuff is finished before you interrupt. And we'll do some worship first, so that'll get us closer to our time. Yeah, thank you guys for not throwing anything at me, being nice. Let's pray, Father. Um, Lord, we, we want to do all things for the glory of God. We want to do all things well. We want to um, do the best we can with the instruction that you've given us. And Lord, it's, it's challenging. Uh, it's, it's not as simple as it seems. Just so many people, so many different kinds of things going on, Lord. But I just, I just pray by your spirit, uh, Lord, that you would bring it all together in a way that would best advance your kingdom uh, within the context of our church first. And then as we go out and we represent you in the world. So Lord, I, I thank you for my church family. I feel like they've uh, they put up with so much um, Sunday after Sunday with me at the pulpit. But Lord, I'm grateful. I love them. And so help us to work together to make this happen. In Jesus' name, amen.